I believe, William, that every Muslim deserves to hear the gospel. And here in America and around the world, most Muslims, they are not hearing the gospel. They are not having a chance to hear the gospel. That's the passion God has given me. Welcome to First Person, a weekly conversation with a guest who tells us their story of faith in Christ and how that transformation has led them to a life journey of commitment and service to Him. I'm Wayne Shepherd. My guest this week is Dr. Abraham Sarker, a man who grew up in a Muslim home but whose life took a dramatic spiritual turn. First Person interviews are always available online. If you'd like to go back through the library of conversations or if you'd like to pass this week's program link on to someone else, you can do that by going to firstpersoninterview.com. Click on the Listen button to scroll through any of our past programs. Again, we're found at firstpersoninterview.com. And we're also easily found at facebook.com forward slash firstpersoninterview. Dr. Abraham Sarker and his wife Annie founded Gospel for Muslims, a mission organization dedicated to bringing hope to the 1.3 billion Muslims around the world through witness, discipleship, and church planning. But that didn't come until Abraham gave his life to Christ. When I talked with him on the phone, I asked him to begin by telling me about the home he grew up in. I grew up in Bangladesh. As you know, Bangladesh is the third largest Muslim country in the world. We have 160 million people live there. My parents, of course, are very devout Muslims, so that's the kind of home that I grew up with. And my father was an Islamic leader. My mom was an Islamic school teacher, and I was the first child. So, Wayne, you can understand that being in that home, uh, from very young age, I was introduced to the religion. Religion was the thing to do every day for us. Uh, for me especially, that my parents wanted me to grow up as a uh, good Muslim. And uh, I remember when I was seven-year-old boy, my parents came up to me and said, um, we want you to understand that you are a Muslim uh, because you were born into a Muslim home, Muslim family. We are Muslims, so therefore you are a Muslim. Now, so then uh, my question is, what do I do now? Well, from this point on, age seven is the age of accountability. Therefore, they told me that Allah will not forgive my sins. I have to pray five times a day. I have to uh, fast in the month of Ramadan, and I have to do all the tenets of Islam and make sure I do it right. So they were training me from that very young age, age seven. Well, how in the midst of that Muslim culture and home, how is it that you started did you start to question things? How did you come to Christ? When I was 13 years old, then I joined to the Islamic organization in Bangladesh. So my, my family, they wanted me to do that. My father was highly involved with this organization. Now, age 15, I was convinced that I'll go to heaven or paradise because I was a good Muslim. And also in that age, age 15, I was thinking that I am ready to die for Islam, for my faith. Now, one night I had a dream. My dream was that I had died and I faced God. When I faced Him, He was not very happy with me. He put me into a lake of fire. Now, here, as a Muslim, good Muslim from age 7 till age 15, now I was thinking that I am going to heaven, or Allah will be happy with me. But my dream was very different than that. 
So three times I had the same dream. Then the third time I went to the mosque, and I just put my head on the ground on the mosque, and I said, God, I am in trouble. Please help me. What did I do wrong? So as I was crying out to God when something happened to me, I could never forget in my life. As I was praying, I prayed all night. Suddenly, I just uh, felt that something was falling all over me, like I was outside in the rain. The raindrops were all over me. You're inside the mosque when this is happening? Inside the mosque, sitting down and praying and crying to God for this dream that I had, terrible dream. And then suddenly this, I felt this uh, drops are falling all over me. I opened my eyes, and I saw that was the reality. I saw that those drops all over my hands, on my clothes, where I was sitting, and it was when oil. Such a sweet fragrance. The oil was such a sweet fragrance. As a Muslim, I did not understand what that meant. But inside of my heart, my heart was filled with peace, overwhelming peace. I had never experienced anything like it in my life. Did you know it was Jesus Christ in your life at that moment? No, I did not know at that moment. All I knew that my heart was filled with joy and peace, something inside of me that I, I could not contain myself. But what happened after that, one day I was coming from the mosque, and after my prayer, I was going to my home. It was after evening prayers, and then suddenly, I, as I was walking to, toward my home, I heard a voice, and this voice in my own Bengali language said, go and get a Bible. And I was wondering, why should I get a Bible? But that voice put a desire in my heart for a Bible. And then because of that voice, I started looking for a Bible. Hmm. For four years, when I looked for a Bible in my country, could not find one. Four years later, I came to America as a Muslim missionary. My goal was to share the message of Islam with people. I want to pursue that with you in just a moment, but let me take you back to the dream that you had. We hear this story that God often speaks to people in the Muslim world through dreams. How do you account for that? And if God is not willing that any should perish, why doesn't everyone have that kind of dream? Well, I think uh, when the God's Word is very clear that uh, if we seek Him, we'll find Him. Uh, as a very young uh, young age, from age seven, the way my parents uh, was helping me to understand that there is a God, there is a Creator, only one Creator, and I am trying to please Him. My heart was for God, and I. So I think I was honestly. I look back and I was honestly seeking God. I wanted to find Him, but you know, more I prayed, more I searched for Him, and that was my life. I went to the mosque, came home, and went to Islamic school, and I learned all of this. So I was always searching God. I think that's what God revealed mm-hmm. that way to me. Yeah, he honored that. All right, so you're, you're in this Muslim home. You've had this experience with a living God, and you didn't quite know how to explain it, right? And then you, you find yourself heading to America at what age? Uh, I, was then, uh, uh, the, uh, I was then about uh, 19. And 19. what was the purpose for you coming to America? What, what did your parents want to accomplish? Well, they, um, so when I was in, in that age, age 19, when I, when I left the country, my uh, parents, or actually my father, especially wanted me to uh, serve my life for Islam. 
So I I was well trained. So they somehow decided to send me here in America as a Muslim missionary. So the goal was so I can work with other missionaries here in America and share the message of Islam. And when is the listeners that who are listening today they probably would be thinking, well, missionaries in my country, uh, friends, you need to understand there are thousands of Muslim missionaries in your cities, in your universities. They're all over. Hmm. You, you mentioned when you got to this country is when you finally encountered the scriptures. How, how did that happen, and where did you start reading? Well, that voice that I mentioned earlier on about the Bible, uh, when I don't know how to explain this to you and to the people who are listening, I could not get rid of that. I tried very hard. I said, I'm a Muslim, so I shouldn't be reading the Bible. I could not find it in my country, so I pretty much gave up. But this thing was coming inside of me. That Bible, the desire was growing inside of me. One day I went to a university library, and I was looking for a Bible. And there was a young lady at the front desk because I could not find one. So I came to her, and I said, would you help me to find a Bible? And she, she was a Christian, I can tell you today, that she said, if you go to this place called BSM, Baptist Student Ministry, they'll give you a Bible. So she nicely drew a map, and I ran up there, and as soon as I walked in that place, I saw a Bible sitting on, the, uh, on that shelf in my own Bengali language. When I saw my vernacular language, I just gravitated toward that, and I took that Bible, sat on the floor, and started reading it. And then the guy that who was over there in charge, the BSM uh, director, he said, I could have the Bible. Now I took the Bible with me, and of course I, have, I am living with Muslims here in America, so I was, I was very careful. And as I was reading the Bible, this is when I realized who Jesus Christ is. One verse particularly touched me. Uh, here, the, um, Mark twelve twenty nine. Jesus said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Now, why that verse made such a difference in me? Because, you see, I was a very devout Muslim. I went to these uh, madrasas, and what they told me and taught us that Christians worship three gods. And when I saw that verse, that Jesus said there is only one God, Hmm. then I realized I learned something is not quite right. So then, if that is so, that Jesus said there's only one God, as a Muslim, I am passionate about one God. Age 15, I was ready to die, and the strength of my faith was that there is only one God, nothing else but one God. And so then, there's only one God. Uh, Muhammad is saying one God. Jesus is saying one God. So whom should I follow to go to him? That was my question. So then... As I was studying Jesus and studying, uh, knew about Muhammad, and I was comparing Jesus and Muhammad, it was absolutely so clear to me, like a daylight, that Jesus is much greater than Muhammad. Jesus was born without a human father. Muhammad had a father named Abdullah. Jesus did many miracles. Muhammad never did a miracle. Uh, Jesus died. God took him to heaven. But Muhammad, he is still in his grave in Medina, Saudi Arabia. I said, God, I am so confused. I took the Bible and the Quran, and I said, God, please lead me to the right direction. I prayed many, many days. Then one day I met a man. His name was Peter. He shared with me that I could know God personally. I could know him, talk to him, touch him. You see, as a Muslim, I could never even imagine that I could do that. 
I knew there is only one God, one Creator, but He's out there, and I cannot touch Him. I cannot know Him. He's aloof from man, and He does not have any plan for me, for assurance of salvation. So then, uh, this is how I knew God was. But Peter was sharing with me, no, He came on this earth. He lived among us, did His ministry among us. Second thing He shared with me, that God loves me unconditionally. I have never heard in my entire life at that point that God, my Creator, loves me. That was a very touching thing for me. We'll continue to talk with Dr. Abraham Sarker and hear what happens next in his life on today's edition of First Person. Next time on First Person, a conversation with Moody Church pastor, Dr. Erwin Lutzer. Knowing God has become so important to me that whatever God may choose to do in me or through me really is secondary to the whole question of the value of knowing God. Moody Church pastor and speaker on Running to Win, Dr. Erwin Lutzer joins us next time on First Person. Talking with Dr. Abraham Sarker on the program today, who was sent as a very young man by his parents to America as a Muslim missionary and encountered the living Lord Jesus Christ while here through the scriptures. And Abraham, it's such an exciting story. It, it's so ironic that you were sent here as a Muslim missionary and, and the Lord got a hold of your life. Well, uh, we, we serve an amazing God. If we seek him, we'll find him. Amen. What has happened in your family since that time? Uh, since then, my uh, parents were very angry. They disowned me, and uh, my father did not talk to me for 11 years. But now today, when my father, who was a Muslim leader, gave his life to Christ, oh. my mom gave her life to Jesus, oh. my whole family are now following the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that is amazing. Love to hear that story. I really do. Well, uh, you are in the U.S. now, and suddenly your life is transformed. Um, and now you feel a burden to reach other Muslims for Christ. Tell me about what life is like today for you. Well, uh, my wife uh, and I, uh, just we have a passion to reach Muslims, and we have started a ministry called Gospel for Muslims. And here we are based in Dallas, and through this, we are reaching out to Muslims here in America and also uh outside of this country. So we are in South Asia, where I came from, and in that country we, uh, we are seeing an amazing result, that we have over 2,000 believers now, 60 pastors are being trained, and we are reaching out into the villages, because most of our missionaries are living in the cities, and the people live in the villages. So uh, that's what we are doing. We are, um, we are doing microloans. We are starting schools, elementary schools. We have about uh, nine elementary schools. This year we'll be establishing few more, so about 21 altogether elementary schools. And we have a health clinic, free health clinic, and we have 8,000 members in our organization. And so we are doing all of this through compassion, and that gives us an opportunity to build relationships and then through relationship, we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then we disciple, and the cycle continues. Hmm. Well, I'm so excited about the ministry that God has given to you, and at the end of the program, I'll tell people how they can find out more about Gospel for Muslims. But wouldn't it be easier just to live life in this country and forget about what's happening back home? 
you know, I went to Bangladesh for four years after my father accepted Christ, and I just cried. I said, God, why did you choose me out of millions of people in this country? Why did I have that dream? What do you want me to do? So as I was crying out to God and searching God's direction, uh, this is what, you know, he put front of me, that there are millions of Muslims will be dying every year, but they will never have a chance to hear the gospel. Uh, I believe that God just put this in my heart, that every Muslim deserves to hear the gospel at least once. I have never heard the gospel. When I heard the gospel, the gospel made a difference in my life. When my father, father finally understood the gospel, the purpose of Jesus coming on this earth, dying on the cross, it made a difference in his life. And I believe that if you and I and others that were listening, if we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ to Muslims, it will make a difference in their lives. And that's the reason I am there. And it is, of course, in America, it's a comfortable life. Uh, but when God calls us, whatever the, uh, that might be, and he will always protect us. When Let me also tell you this. There's a guy out there in the village who wanted to kill me. He planned to kill me three times. And every time he tried to kill me, a guy appeared in his dream. He said uh, he could not see his face. All he saw, bright light coming from his face. And it stopped him three times. The third time he came to me, and he sat there, he fell on my feet. And weeping, and he said that I was trying to kill you three times. But who is this guy that's coming to my dream and, and is stopping me? I told him that was Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then he gave his life to Jesus right then. And today he's a strong believer. And now what I'm trying to say is that um, I believe, William, that every Muslim deserves to hear the gospel. And here in America and around the world, most Muslims are still there because... They, they are not hearing the gospel. They are not having a chance to hear the gospel. That's the passion God has given me. How do you, what are your observations about the American church and its, its attitude toward uh, Muslim evangelization? Have we given up? Are we, are we thinking it's just too hard? Uh, what have you observed? Uh, my observation is uh, most Christians in America, uh, they really don't understand Islam. Uh, they don't understand the Muslim people. They don't understand the terrorists. That uh, who are they? Where they're coming from? They they try to say, uh, under it, you know they understand that Islam, Muslims, and terrorists are synonymous. That's not true. Uh, only you know t- maybe ten percent of the entire Muslim population who are violent, uh, but ninety percent of them are not. So uh, the, uh, I think the education, uh, one. Secondly, I think a lot of bitterness and anger and hatred that we have in the churches uh, toward Muslims. Uh, because of that, we are not being very effective, because when we start talking with Muslims, it just come out of us. And we don't realize that they can understand that our frustration, our anger toward them. And so I, I see that a lot. But I think that our church genuinely want, uh, uh, they want to reach Muslims, but uh, they need proper education. Uh, like some, some pastors make comments about uh, that Muslims worship Muhammad. So that is not true. So those kind of things kind of put us behind mm-hmm. uh, w- without effectiveness. So there's an education, lack of education, huge 
And then, therefore, what we are doing as an organization, we are having a conference every year. We bring former Muslims from all over the world, and then they teach our churches the right way to understand Islam and the proper way to reach to them. It's very valuable what you're doing, and, and we appreciate it. We really do, because we need this perspective, and God is uniquely positioned you to be the one to bring it to us. I mean, as a former Muslim and coming from the home that you came from, the country that you come from, it's, it's amazing how God is working in your life. Uh, you've told us your personal story and that of your family. Talk to me about another recent convert. Uh, this, this matter of dreams keeps coming up in the Muslim world, and I'm fascinated by that. Uh, there's a guy named Dr. Harold Sadler. He, he lives in East Texas, and he comes with me to Bangladesh, to the villages. And he doesn't have to do that. He's in his 70s, but, you know, just he comes over there uh, with me there. And then one day we are in a village, and a lady came up to us and said, she started crying. She said, last night I had a dream, and I, that man, right there, that man was in my dream. <laughs> And in my dream that he said he has a message for me, I tell you, that was a God moment for us. Mm -hmm. And he could not contain. He started crying. The lady started crying. We were crying to hear this, that here God gave her a dream, and that he has a message. Surely he does. He came all the way from America to share that message into this village. So he shares the gospel with this lady and her entire family gave their life to Christ. And it is just amazing. It just happened recently. Abraham, teach us to pray for the Muslim world. How, how would you have us pray? I would pray that uh, God please give a dream or a vision to Muslims in Bangladesh. Give a dream and vision to Muslims in Pakistan, in Saudi Arabia, in Iran, in Iraq. And all those Muslim countries in Afghanistan, Lord, this, this is what we need to pray. Just God, please touch them and appear to them, because many places that we cannot go, but God can go there, and Holy Spirit can touch their hearts. As, as you ask me this question, I would ask for people who are listening to, to pray for Bangladesh, 160 million uh, people, 97% of them are Muslims. They all are eager to hear the good news. And also we, we need to pray for the laborers. God will send laborers to these nations. We have one missionary for every half a million Muslims. How could one missionary share the gospel with so many Muslims? So we need to send laborers to them. Dr. Abraham Sarker now serves as the executive director of Gospel for Muslims, as well as an adjunct professor at Dallas Baptist University. He is a sought-after seminar presenter on the topic of Islam and the author of Understand My Muslim People. If you'd like additional information, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. There we'll place links to Gospel for Muslims, Dr. Sarker's ministry. Visit us at firstpersoninterview.com. Our website also has a full audio archive of past programs. Just click on the Listen button to scroll through the long list of interviews at firstpersoninterview.com. And then if you'd like to have First Person delivered automatically to your computer and MP3 player, you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes or at Stitcher.com. Just search for First Person with Wayne Shepherd. Finally, I hope you'll look for us on Facebook. We're found at Facebook.com forward slash First Person Interview. Next week, a conversation with Dr. Erwin Lutzer of Moody Church in Chicago. 
Now with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person.